I don't mean to uh, to spring this on you, Clay, or anything, but uh, do you have a top a top favorite fruit that you you want to discuss going into this? I'm sorry. There's was just silence on the end at the end of the line. There, silent. I I, I was. I'm sorry. I, this episode, I um, I was asleep because this one is uh, incredibly boring. <laughs> um, favorite food? Uh, oh, I don't know. Favorite fruit? Fruit. Uh, whichever one I can identify by looking at a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. Do you like pineapple? That, that, <laughs> yeah, pineapple's pretty good. How how do you? <laughs> How is how is the the resolution of that whole fucking story? He picks he looks at the filling on the cake and he goes, "Oh, pineapple." Yeah. My fa- it's just, how do you tell without tasting it what it is? I guess I guess I guess pineapple uh pineapple coloring or something. I know he well he also says my, yellow? Fa- my favorite you mean yellow? yellow. I mean it's just gelatinous uh Yeah, I mean they don't they don't go like a pineapple upside down cake or anything to him and he goes, "Pineapple." But it's no, still- it's just a it's just a store bought stop and shop cake. I know, yeah. It's, it's um, all that, all that time wasted, and all they do is get him a uh, off the rack uh, f- sheet cake from Costco. <laughs> well, uh, we might have something to disagree about here, though, because <clears throat> I, I don't know. I find this episode incredibly interesting, but strange at the same time. But we'll talk about it after we take a break. So we'll take a break now. Oh, I, I guess we should mention that we're on YouTube and our faces are here at the first time. This is very different. So if you people are watching it on YouTube, uh, we're going to try an experiment of seeing whether or not faces help this whole process. You got you got to separate the uh, this, every social site is different and has different strengths, and you start to realize that. And I think that uh, YouTube is maybe not best served by just having audio on it. So we're going to add a little bit of video too. See how it goes. See if people want to say hi and see what we look like, and that's about it. So, cool. We're going to take a break, play a clip from the episode, and then we'll be back to break down Silent Enemy. If I asked your parents what you like to eat, would they be able to tell me? Are you kidding? My mom would give you her recipe for pan-fried catfish and wouldn't let you go till you promised not to screw it up. <laughs> Malcolm's parents didn't know what his favorite food was. They didn't even know he was an armory officer. That's strange. It made me think. We don't know that much about Malcolm. All right, so Silent Enemy is the 12th episode of the first season. It aired on January 16th, 2002. <laughs> written by, I have a hard time saying the 2002 uh, year. <laughs> written by Andre uh, Bormanis, Bormanis, I guess. Directed by Weinrich Colby. In-universe date is September 1st and the 2nd of 2151. So my birthday, way off there in the future. Oh, there you go. In this episode, Enterprise is attacked by an unknown alien starship as Archer orders the crew to install experimental phase cannons. Meanwhile, Sato is... Oh, it's Hoshi. Hoshi is ordered to find out what Reed's favorite food is for his birthday dinner. Um, I find this episode to be... The, everything that we liked about Breaking the Ice, which was the Comet episode where nothing really happened, I think is kind of this episode, except... The uh, the Malcolm Reed pineapple plot feels like a terrible Curb Your Enthusiasm plot that's not funny whatsoever, and it's like they don't really, um, it's like they don't really get comedy. Interestingly, like or why this is funny, and if that plot line is not supposed to be funny, I don't really know what the point of it is. But it's um, it's your it's your common episode Clay where it's an A and a B plot, and the B mm-hmm. plot is just completely 
detached from whatever the A is to almost a detrimental degree. This is maybe like maybe the most right. extreme example I can think of that. However, I kind of liked what they were trying to do with the pineapple story. It's just wrong place, wrong time, poorly executed. But I will, I will give them credit for trying because I do like those small enterprise moments. I think that, that moments like that show the prequel nature of the show, I think, in a lot of ways, where people are just having this sort of like small world problem. And um, it's just kind of goofy and stupid. But I, I like the attempt. I did not care for it. Um the whole episode of just the pineapple story. Uh, I I I thought the pineapple thing was, I don't know. I just couldn't get behind it. it. There's, it's so drab, and it the payoff isn't worth it. And you've got a scene where Hoshi has gone to the uh, the lengths to contact Malcolm's sister. And she's like, oh, I haven't talked to him in years. Can I talk to him now? And she's like, no. No, it's it's trying to keep it a secret. It's like, oh, okay, I guess. See you later. Um, but everything and, is- and also, they, and they, they, they're in the middle of being attacked by this uh, new enemy they don't know anything about. And then, like, hard cut to ho- – everything's just blown up and the, the – and the cell's all busted and the engine doesn't work. And then, like, hard cut to Hoshi walking into flocks being like, hey, do you know what uh, he likes to eat by any chance? Yep. It just it, it, it put up against the other story, which I didn't think the other story. I liked what the other story was trying to do, but I didn't think they it was effectively done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, I don't know. It just seemed like a big waste of time. Yeah, I... Um... Like, it's not it's not, like, bad. There's not anything, like, shockingly awful about it. It's just... I would say it's bad. I would, the, I'd say it's bad yeah. from. Well, I'd say it's bad from a, like, what was the the point of this? Almost sure. Like yes. the, the badness yeah. kind of extends into as they're digging up everything about Reed. Right? He they're like, as they're trying to figure out what his favorite food is. They uncover so much more interesting stuff. It's like he has this distraught relationship with his parents. You know, and right. no, But no one cares about any of that. They're just like that's why it's almost a comedy. It's just like no, I just need to know what he likes to eat. I don't care about the fact that he doesn't talk to his parents and his parents don't know what he does. And his father is very disapproving of his life not being a navy officer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like all mm-hmm. of that is really fascinating. In that, just that. That guy they called, he remembers some dinner they went to 15 years ago, and he's like, "I had the the flounder. I can't remember. I can't remember what Reed had, but I had the flounder." It's also so strange, you know. It's so, it's almost like surreal what they're trying to do. But when they get down to it, that's all more interesting, and it almost feels like it's a. It almost feels like it's the writers being clever and making a, a joke about it you know archer has a line where he basically looks at the camera and is like we don't know anything about reed isn't that funny maybe we should have an episode about reed and it's just so you know if it if it was if it was a curb episode they would have some sort of point that was like very focused about it about why this right. is funny that they're trying to do and this is obviously not a, a right a comedy writing team that's doing this so it comes off incredibly flat but it has to be an attempt at comedy that they're trying to figure out is food, I think. Like any writing staff should know that that is just such a lame thing for them to be going after that it has to be funny. I think that the show is just not funny and that's a, the problem with it. Well, it also – they give you all that interesting stuff about him and they don't even like – I mean the thing that they're trying to do for him while nice is very surface level in that they – yeah, they don't know anything about him. So you've got Hoshi – learning all of this stuff about him that is far more interesting than what his f- favorite food is 
but ultimately the payoff is that she just gets him a cake with his favorite flavor in it. Like it's not like the stuff that she takes in helps her learn what a more appropriate thing to do for him might be. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's like she's not she's we are getting all this information, but she's not learning anything. Right. And and so ultimately it just it's very surface level. Other direction yeah. is learning about Reed some maybe teaches Reed something about himself as he's going through this other plot that's happening. It, it like it's it's strange how totally disconnected the storylines are. Where right. as you're trying to learn something about Reed that process does not help or illuminate anything from the alien storyline, which is funny because Reed is a, a pinnacle of that storyline. Like his obsession with getting the phase cannons online is important to that storyline. And so mm-hmm. him not learning anything or like the, the like them not being like, well, geez, I guess Reed is just really driven by his work. He doesn't give a fuck about food. So maybe maybe we should maybe we should give him an extra shift or something. Like maybe he would like let him go tinker with the phase cannons right. instead of having to do something. That's the lesson that they learn. But they don't they don't do anything like that. It's just beer and pineapple cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what else to really say about it because it's I just it's I don't know. It, there was too too little going on. Like, if you can have something that has very little going on, but what you're getting out of it is worth it, I don't even think you get anything out of this that's worth it. No. Except for, you know, uh, except for that stuff that you learned from his parents and whatnot. But even that, it's not like, it's not like that's going to, it doesn't change anything and it's never going to come up again. So. No, no. And this is a runner that the, the thing that you learned, the, the most important thing you learn about Reed throughout the season is that he likes pineapple. Um Again, seriously, that comes back. No, it's just that people say that this is like the the peak of what you learn about him as a character. Oh, I see. So yeah. the weakness of the character writing on the show is sort of exemplified by this is the idea that they had to explain something about him mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I liked the alien storyline though quite a bit. I, I see because mm. I I think that this episode g- gets to the stuff that we liked previously in the other episodes where this one feels very much like a learning about what's going like learning the proper way to interact with things. Archer learns something surprisingly in this episode. Yeah. It has a moment of reflection mm-hmm. which I think is an improvement. And then the aliens are extremely alien. You never learn what they're doing or why they're doing it really. And it has a nice little continuity tie-in where the ship now has phasers. It's like, you know, it, right. it, it, it kind of feels like it's hitting all of the things that I liked about the series to this point, except the pineapple storyline is kind of dragging it down. But again, before I throw it to you, what the show also does very well, I think, to this point is they continue to do creepy really well. And I liked mm. the aliens boarding the ship sequence where there's the uh, the shot where the crew members are at the front like close to the camera and off in the distance at the end of the hallway you just see the two aliens walk by real quick right i think that's kind of cool and they, they never really do stuff like that and i think it was a pretty effective little horror short for a second there are they the first uh, uh completely cgi aliens in star trek they might be unless you count things like the tholians and tos which is not really cgi but like um probably they probably are no it depends. No, Voyager would have had something at this point. Oh, Sorry. They didn't. Yeah, okay. Voyager would have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I you know the the CGI in them doesn't hold up too well, but I think the design is really cool. Yeah, yeah. their uh, their weird faces are really interesting, and um, yeah, I think they they handle that stuff uh, 
they continue to handle that stuff pretty well. My problem with that storyline is that it doesn't start until halfway through the, the show. Mm-hmm. It's the first 20 minutes of the show are pretty run of the mill. I shouldn't say run of the mill, but like uh, you, you don't get any sense of any conflict until almost halfway through the show. Uh, so it's difficult to, I, I found it difficult to engage with it fully because they were taking so long to get to what they were trying to do. Yeah. You didn't like the um, sort of hints of, cause they, they run into the ship a couple times before anything bad goes on. Like they have an interaction where they just don't answer them when they hail them and then it leaves and then they're like, Oh, that was kind of weird. And then it comes back after that. I, I find the, the build fairly effective there where, it's subtly creepy at first. It's just the thing of like picking up a phone and like you hear someone pick up the phone, but no one speaks into it. And it's kind of like, what the hell's mm-hmm. going on on the other line? I, I think it's okay in that regard. And it um, it just felt, it felt sufficiently alien to me, I guess, that kind of stuff. The one, the one thing that I think that they did poorly was the very end where they play back the tape of Archer talking to them, but <laughs> they've, they've edited it to be like, Surrender your ship or whatever whatever he says to it, which I, I right, didn't think right. was really necessary. I would have preferred to have like no interaction with them whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it was it it, it took too long to to be interesting to me. And it uh I think if your B plot had been more interesting then it would buy you some more time. Yep. But um as it stands, the first half of it is just trying to figure out what Malcolm likes to eat and uh yeah, a casual, a couple casual flybys where they're like, "Huh, that's weird that they won't talk to us." Yeah, but it does, it does continue. It 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 does continue the the idea that uh, the the humans are a lot more happy to see other people than the other species are to see them. Yeah, the, Archer talks about it here. He's like, "We're facing a lot of hostility out here nowadays. Yeah. Like, we we need some guns, I think, to go back and bla- uh, go in blazing with these things." But yeah, I mean, I. We've complained about Archer, right? So, so mm-hmm. wouldn't you have to say they have to give the episode at least credit for Archer having a scene where he's like, geez, I really I really shit the bed making the Enterprise come out here before we were ready to do anything. And obviously, I was not prepared for the the depravity that's out here in deep space. So, we like, Trip, what do you think I should yeah, do about it? You know, yes, but, like, this is the... It... it, it for this to be the thing that that makes him want to turn around and go home and get bigger guns is feels disingenuous to me like i feel like they've encountered a lot more dangerous things where they were a lot more more outmatched up to this point than whatever this is that's happening mm-hmm. and he has faced it with no hesitation whatsoever yeah so for him to for this one thing to happen and then all of a sudden for him to be like i don't know maybe we should go home uh it's like I appreciate what they're trying to do, but you know, I, like even that point, I feel like that point kind of comes out of nowhere. Like if they had spent more time in the beginning, kind of building that sense that Archer thinks that maybe this was the wrong thing to do, I think that maybe plays a little cleaner. But as it stands, it's just like they get attacked once, and all of a sudden he wants to go home. Yeah. So it's it's I don't know. I like I appreciate what they're trying to do. I appreciate the thing with the phasers. Um, I'm surprised like, no I, one. I just, oh, go ahead. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't believe that Archer would choose flying all the way back to Earth, or at least to Jupiter, I guess, <clears throat> to fix the to put guns on uh, 
over uh, trusting Malcolm and Trip to be able to do it themselves. You know what I mean? Yes, I I think that's strange that they're doing. Like I I don't really like the fact that they um, just decide to go back to Jupiter, which is basically home, because. I, I prefer the sense that they're just out there and like going back is like a huge waste of time for them. Yeah. I, I hate that they even have that as an option. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like getting three quarters of the way from uh England to the United United States and then being like, eh, maybe we should just pack it in and go home. Yeah. It's like it's you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean if you, well yeah, it's like it's like stepping onto the new world. Like your first put footprint I mean, on the yeah. beach and you're like, ah, I forgot some like bananas i gotta go back to get the, it's like no, right, just, just right. hang out here and do something here yeah. yeah that's i have a problem with that and i i think that that's kind of weak and i i would have preferred you know if they can't go back it depends on reed to get these guns working on the ship and right that gives reed a better um storyline to tie into the pineapple thing you know instead and if you if you want to learn something about reed you learn it like when he's put to the test he will come through and get the guns working and everything like that. And you, you know, I, I, because I do like the alien stuff just because I think that they, for this show, they do a really good job of showing that, uh, they're sort of stressed and up against the wall with what they're doing. Like the actors get five o'clock shadows as this episode moves yes. along. Like you, you get the sense <laughs> I, that, I no one, that no one's sleeping. And, <clears throat> I like that, and I like the fact that Archer has this revelation. I don't like the fact that he can go back. I was again surprised, and I think it would have strengthened the Archer thing. They chose again to have no one die in the attack that happens. Right. Like Trip makes a point of saying, like, oh, they shot a hole in the, the ship, but luckily everyone is out. There are 12 of us in here, but we all got out on time. I think that Archer having doubts about whether or not he did the right thing would have been amplified if this was the first time that a bunch of people died on the ship. And he's like, right. oh, like that actually had some ramifications to it that are different from all these previous situations where I haven't complained about this, uh, but they don't do that. And I think that that was a strange thing. The other thing that I don't really like about the Archer is that I don't think that uh, Tripp's pep talk, talk is convincing enough to really change his mind. He's basically, we all signed up for this. Don't worry about it. But I don't think that should salve Archer's concern about whether or not he did the right thing, whether or not everyone else is just kind of happy to go along with it. I feel like his concern is deeper than that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's all that's all good stuff. It's just uh yeah, I don't know. It's it seems like it's yeah, it's not it's not building off of anything that they've established either up to this point or earlier in the episode. Um so I know I know I sound it, it, I sound like I'm uh, uh not being appreciative of the fact that they're finally giving uh Archer some growth, but I don't know. It just it feels like they just pulled it out of nowhere instead of doing it organically. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I um, I don't know. I enjoyed this. Like I, I was in this spot where I liked the alien storyline because it felt appropriate for the prequel nature of this one. Um, I like mm-hmm. the aliens. I like the fact that they're just kind of this strange thing that no one knows what's going on. Uh, and I, I thought that the pineapple thing was bizarre that they stuck it in there but at the same time it reminded me of the breaking the ice stuff where it's just so low-key that you're kind of charmed by how like that storyline whether or not it's good or not that pineapple storyline can't exist in any other star trek show i don't think sure well why not because it feels so small and human 
like modern modern contemporary mm-hmm. humans you know what i mean it, it feels to me that in the 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 you 20- couldn't do a you couldn't do a tng episode where data is introduced to the concept of a favorite food and then tries to figure out what Jordy's favorite food is or something. But I think that that's, that's totally unique to data because data has like no idea how to go about doing things like that. This is a very, mm-hmm. this is a very small human storyline that kind of shows Archer's smallness too, where, you know, you can compl- like, why is Archer sending off one of his chief officers to figure this out at this point? Like, why why is Hoshi not being called back to the bridge in the middle of these attacks when he's like, you must figure out the pineapple thing. You must do yeah, it. That's a very good question. I, I just think that it's so it feels very much like the Enterprise is a ship that's out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And to keep morale up, Archer, compared to the other captains who have like sort of the modern Star Trek stuff that we're used to for entertainment, he has to sort of create. Uh, camaraderie for his crew mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think the other captains really have to do. So in this small 80-person ship, he's like, oh, I'm sure he's got a Google calendar that's pinging him a week before Malcolm's <laughs> birthday, saying, like, Malcolm's birthday's coming up. He's like, oh, I should probably do something for so him. So do they do they do this 83 times a year then? Probably. He has to send people out to figure well, out what the favorite <laughs> food is. <laughs> I mean, they probably... They, other people probably fill out their Facebook bios a little bit more than Malcolm does, I guess, and they'd put mm-hmm. pineapple or whatever they want to do. But, Do they get into a situation like on The Office where they try to uh, 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 maximize efficiency of time so they group some of the birthdays together, but then some people are mad because they don't get the cake that they like? That's like it office. turns into a whole yeah. thing. <laughs> that's very much a corporate office thing. If you have a birthday within a week of each other, we, we get one cake and everyone yeah. will have a, a bit of that cake and you'll share but a birthday. I, 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 don't, I don't really think it's that specific to this because, I mean, I think if even TNG, it doesn't have to be – I think it's specific maybe to the captain doing it, mm-hmm. but like I could easily see a TNG episode where uh, Crusher and Jordy are in 10 forward or Troy and Jordy or something are in 10 forward and they're like, you know, we don't really know that much about Tasha. Did you know it's her birthday today? It's like, really? It's her birthday? Well, should we do something? I don't know. Maybe we should get her a cake. Well, what kind of cake does she like? We actually don't know anything she likes. And then the B story is Troy trying to use her shitty powers to figure out what, what Tasha uh, yeah, likes I don't. I wonder what people would think about this. I don't think that I don't think that story would fly on TNG because that feels far too character interaction-y for that show. It's, mm. it feel, like, people on TNG don't have that kind of a friendship. If they throw a party, they okay. just kind of do it and they know because that's how like business-like and official they are. I could say maybe DS9 would do this, but mm-hmm. DS9 would – I feel like DS9's version of the story wouldn't be so low-key as this, which is, which is a problem, I think, that the, it's so low-key and so low stakes. But DS9 wouldn't end with a shot of the captain and the crew drinking beer. You know, like that's how, that's how contemporary right, yes. enterprise is to me, and it feels right. it's a stupid story. I I completely agree; it's very stupid, but I think it's a stupid story that only enterprise could do in this way. You can yeah. you, you can disagree. It just it's um. It's I so agree with the key. beer thing. I think I think the the last scene of them sharing a beer is very much uh, only something they could do on enterprise. Yeah, uh, everything leading up to it is debatable. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I again, and to clarify for everyone, I don't like the story. I think that it's, mm. I think that it's very strange. I think that I it, mean, you did retweet that list of top ten Star Trek stories, and you said glaring omission. Where's the pineapple story? <laughs> I mean, but it's just so. Just think about the how bizarre they go with this. 
Reed likes pineapple so much, he gets basically steroid injections so that he can eat yeah. as much pineapple. I thought, I was almost positive it was going to be that he's so allergic to pineapple that he needs to take that stuff to make sure he doesn't die. Right, and then he cuts into so, it and just explodes into hives the minute yeah, he's like... Yeah, or, like or like he cuts into it and he's like, pineapple, oh, sorry guys. And they're like, oops, dun-dun-dun, you know. Wah, wah. But here's a question for you. Um... And maybe we'll come back to the alien point. If if someone were to come up to you, like I did at the top of this podcast, and ask mm-hmm. you what your favorite food was, mm-hmm. would you would you immediately go there planning a party for me? Um, do you think there's a do reason? I, do I know the person? Is there? <laughs> is this well, like it, a random, like a guy with a clipboard on the street <laughs> stops me while I'm on, you know, got my headphones in, walking into the supermarket? It's a female Asian coworker, as close as you can get to that. Like, and if she came up and was just like, "Hey, what, like, mind if I sit here and eat? I like ravioli. What's your favorite food? Just, just like out of the blue. Like, I, yeah, I, I think I that know. the problem with it is that it's just there's so secretive about this as though reed is some sort of master detective character who's yeah. going to figure out what's going on just ask him and then you'll i know solve the i was thinking that too like i i don't know what's stopping them from from just casually asking him what it happens to be because right. he's he seems to be very oblivious to everything so. you know like, guys when we're in a group next time <clears throat> let's talk about food and when malcolm comes over we'll just go hey malcolm what's your like i love upside down cake what's your favorite food and he'll say pineapple right. and we'll answer the whole the whole question yeah yeah like and I guess the, the the humorous part of the story is is Hoshi accidentally, you know, backing herself into a, a date situation. Did you like that? Did you think that was funny? Uh, I thought it was. Eh. I thought it was pretty forced, but it, it's okay yeah. for Star Trek. It's like a C minus of a Star Trek bit. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it just along. It just seemed like they were just doing whatever they could to try and make this thing interesting. Is contrived or otherwise and it just yeah it didn't really there are some i I was thinking the same thing where i was like just ask him why why are you being weird about this just ask the guy there are some theories that reed is a closeted homosexual in this series because of scenes like the the hoshi thing um Uh and because it's just a professional man and because of how uh you know it it kind of it would you could draw some very circumstantial conclusions to his relationship with his parents and why he doesn't talk to them and stuff like that um I don't believe they ever comment on this on the show, but it is kind of interesting to think about that that would be more characterization than what's actually going on here for his pineapple love. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's about it. Anything like... <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Just, this reminded me of this dumb dumb story where I was... Uh, uh, our friend Jim was, was shooting video at uh, Northeastern University, and I was helping him out doing sound, and, and it was supposed to be this, like, uh, parents' weekend video where um you know it's just you know uh, how are you, how are these kids the uh, adjusting to life on campus and stuff like that and the the person who was in charge was woefully underprepared so we were trying to like come up with stuff to ask them on the fly and we, we were shooting for a decent amount of time and for some reason i just decided that like you know i think we're assuming too much about these kids and their preferences because, uh, you know, the woman who was asking the questions was like, so what's the best place, you know, talking to a guy or whatever, be like, what's the pl- best place to go meet girls? And in my head, you know, I'm like holding this thing up. And I'm like, uh, you know, maybe we should be a little bit more inclusive. So I start throwing out questions to this one kid where I'm like, where, uh, what's, the, what's the best place to meet girls or guys? 
and I just kept doing that. I wasn't. I seriously wasn't trying to be funny, and yeah. I was. I was just trying to be like considerate. And after like the third one, the guy's just like, he's like, no, I like, I like girls. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to be offensive or anything. I was trying to be inclusive, I, I and I was just tired, <laughs> and it just didn't work out the way I thought it was going to be. Ironically, like for some reason, this one guy just was really thought that I thought that you know certain things about him. But. Yeah, no. Ironically, by trying to be more inclusive, he thought you were pigeonholing him into a into a uh, type and just yeah. trying to go the other way. That's funny. Yeah, I, you know what? I mean, on the plus <laughs> side, maybe it made him you know look internally and maybe assess some things that he didn't want to admit about himself is yeah. what i'm saying went home opened a big can of tinned pineapple just went <laughs> at it <laughs> i hope so those are bu students uh northeastern northeastern sorry right. yeah um anything about the aliens here no not really the flock scene archer um and just the the other thing that I did like about the alien sequences, I we mentioned before about how this show kind of feels like a mix of TOS and DS9 at the same part. Well, maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. do either one particularly well, but it is kind of like a, a amalgamation of those two things. I do like the stressed out scenes between the characters. I think they could be better. I think that they could just deal with something that's more than them just being stressed out. Like Trip and Reed here have a pretty good scene together. I think where they're in that mm-hmm. little tube trying to fix the the guns. Um, again, I think it's weakened because you don't really get a sense of the episode is not driving towards revealing anything about Reed in terms of his work mm-hmm. circumstances, which I think is the main thing there. But I did like the little bit of conflict between them, which is very TNG or DS9 mixed with this TOS plot of running into an alien that you don't understand. Uh, and yeah. so I, I thought it's fairly effective because I, I, I think this is one of my favorite episodes of the season so far. So, really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I do think that their dialogue um, comes dangerously close to that modern kind of techno babble mm. thing where there's a lot of techno babble in this and it's not really serving anything other than it just being techno babble. Uh, there's a lot of talk about reversing polarities and and what they need to do in order to put these things in and stuff and i didn't i didn't feel like that stuff was serving anything larger you know yeah um so you know that that kind of took me out of it because i i I don't like that style of uh of uh techno babble stuff it was a lot uh, of time killing to just get the gun working basically right there's there's nothing else besides you need to delay to do that and also I mean, I said it's my favorite. The episode has a lot of problems. Like, why, if the guns have been able to have been made the entire time on the ship, why have they not been working on this over the past right. six months or whatever they've been out in space? Like, they they, yeah, they don't even the- need to go back to Jupiter to get the job done, really. So going to Jupiter is pointless. And if you've been able to do this this whole time, probably should have been working on this for the past couple yeah. of six months that would have uh, it would have helped in these circumstances we've run especially into. especially after the first time they have to fire fo- their torpedoes right and it's like the ship just you know, bounces the, it away yeah the other ship just like very slowly and casually steps out of the way yeah yeah um and once as soon as they realized oh shit maybe we need better guns uh they probably should have been working on that but i you know i did I did like that aspect that aspect of it quite a bit the the idea that they are um very genuinely 
uh, underprepared for this situation yeah. and can't defend themselves, so they have to... Uh, uh, they have to put these put these guns in and stuff. But again, even there, like I wish, I wish there had been some sort of like if if Archer, maybe it would be disingenuous for Archer to do this. But if if someone, be it Archer, maybe uh, based on the way he's acting in this episode, if he was to be the one who's like, you know, I just I didn't want to put these things in because this is not a vessel of war. Yeah. I, I want I was under the impression that we were out here exploring and that I you know having these kinds of advanced weapons are just going to be an excuse give us an excuse to have to use them yeah or something something like that where he has to kind of grapple with the idea of of adding weaponry to this ship um but they didn't they didn't do any of that it was just sort of like yeah again it's a very workmanlike story where it's like well we need new parts yeah let's go to the auto body store i guess and then the one guy's like well i can make the part out of the parts we have and he's like well i don't know i'd rather get the guy for the actual guy from jiffy lube to replace this <laughs> and to the uh to the peacenik thing um i'd be i'd be okay with that if i think that's something that would need to be present in archer from the start really like i don't know yeah, if it's it here it doesn't have to be Archer, but I'm surprised that nobody brings it up. Yeah, to you know? Paul, it's. I, I think that's kind of a. To Paul is surprisingly underplayed. I think in a lot of situations yeah. where she does a lot of sitting in the background in some episodes, and like they they use her sort of funny as the joke here, where Hoshi's been running around trying to figure out Reed, and to Paul just overhears them and goes, "Why don't you just ask this guy like what his thing right. is?" And it's kind of like the want want scene, but I think that to Paul is not Archer's foil as much as she should be, really. Like, Archer comes up with an idea, and Paul goes, I don't think that's a good idea. And Archer's like, well, fuck it. I'm doing it anyway, so <laughs> we'll see how things go. I, I think that she should stand up more, and it would probably strengthen... And the, I guess this is very scattershot, but the other thing I liked about this episode was Archer really didn't want to ask the Vulcans for help to tow him back. And I liked, like, that... That, to me, mm. is is good. Like, that is a... That to me is enough reason to have Archer have all these things where he wants to do things his own way. If he just doesn't want the Vulcans to be the ones that have to save his hide every single time, that to me is enough of a belief that that would justify some of his bad decisions in the past that he's made. And here he tries to call them, but they cut down communications, which is a nice little twist. And it's like, oh, Archer kind of learned something and he was willing to make the sacrifice. But I think that strengthening to Paul as a character would highlight why Archer makes the choices that he makes sometimes because he doesn't like the Vulcans and what they've been handholding Earth for a hundred years or whatever it's been. Yeah, if they had, I'm surprised that they didn't have T'Pol as the the voice of of negativity in this situation of of the of doing what he expects the Vulcans to do in terms of you know not outright saying it but floating the idea that maybe they shouldn't have left so or you know that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and she's m- pretty much absent in in this episode. And like even calling when he does call the Vulcans, it is I I didn't really unless I wasn't unless I missed it. Does he does he say in this episode that he doesn't want to do that? Yes. Oh, he does. Okay, yeah. I must have just missed it. It's, it's but the, yeah, I'm. Su- oh, go ahead. No, no like Lee, there. 
the, when they when they float the idea, it's not like he considers it for a long time. When they float the idea, he's like, "I'm not calling the Vulcans." Like they, we've been mm. like, they, they, "This is the best thing that they want to happen is to be go to go begging for help." And then they go, like, "Captain, like we never really need to call him." He goes, "Ah, geez. and then he tries to call them." So it's not an extended yeah, thought even, process. Even there, though, it's like he he would rather fly back to Earth. Yeah. To to with his tail between his legs to fix the guns yeah well instead of like in that situation i would say the first thing that he should do is go all right no fuck the vulcans fix the guns yeah we're gonna do this ourselves you know yeah um so yeah i don't know i think like i like what they're doing with him i just don't i just don't think i don't really like the path that they take to get him there yeah and the other funny thing is if you could have to paul actually be the voice of non-confrontation which seems very vulcan sure. at this point like the vulcans have shown sure. that they don't really like to get into conflicts with people mm-hmm. um if this thing was building into policing like we should just go back like don't but like let's just run away from these things we don't know what they're doing we don't know what's going on there's no reason to escalate it and archer has a very combative approach to them which would tie in you could have an, this is another episode that could end in a potential tragedy sort of for archer or like something going wrong where the bloodlust that he shows at the end here where he's like, fucking fire up the gun. Like, I don't care if two decks of this shit blow up. Like, I want to shoot these yeah, motherfuckers. That was, that's a pretty <laughs> serious consequence there. So if, blowing up two full decks of the ship. So imagine if he did that. He blew up two decks of his ship or whatever, and he destroyed this alien ship. And then to Paul, mm-hmm. you know, it ends with like Archer's like sees the thing blow up and he's just sitting there. And then to Paul is like, was this worth all of this for you? Like, is, is this something that we can sustain going forward if we're out here exploring? And I, I think there's a room for tragedy there, but they don't play it that way. Um, again, I think that they don't want to show Archer being a villain, like a you know, also, a villain like that. Yeah, but also like <laughs> if if Archer if Archer blows out two decks of the ship and kills like five people, and then they're like, "Happy birthday, Malcolm! Here's your pineapple cake." I don't think tonally that really works together. <laughs> Well, the pineapple cake would have been blown up on the deck that was gone, and Malcolm would have been yeah. personally affected by it. Yeah, he sees eight people cake. are dead, and eight people are dead, and the ship is non-functional. But here, let's have a beer. <laughs> Archer's like damage report. They're like they hit the pantry. The pineapple storage is completely destroyed. <laughs> and Reese is like, ah. I think could see that happening. That's that's what they <laughs> that's what they should have done. <laughs> They should have blown out the deck and have him say, oh, the pantry's destroyed. All of all of the pineapple is gone. And then have Malcolm go, that's my favorite food. And then Hoshi goes, ah, <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> Hoshi just writes it down. Uh, it would have been good. Let's take a break. We'll play a quote from the episode. And then we'll come back with patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about Silent Enemy. I'm reading a fluctuation in their shielding, but it's marginal. 5,000 meters. Is that the best we can do, Lieutenant? Even if these cannons had been installed at Jupiter Station, they wouldn't be any more effective than they are now. What about yesterday? I saw you blow something up the size of Mount McKinley. Yes, sir, but that was due to an overload. Can you overload them again? Sir, after the damage from the first time, the plasma recall will probably knock out two decks. Can you overload them again? I believe so. I'd rather knock out two decks than surrender the ship. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show outside of listening, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Best way to give a couple dollars a month to support this whole thing that we've got going on here. It lets us put phase cannons on the exterior of the podcast. We don't have to go back to Jupiter. We can just do it here. Yeah. And by that, he means that I can get a really gaudy hood ornament to put on the front of my Prius. That's right. 
not a Tesla. <laughs> You're not a Tesla man at this point. I don't have that kind of money. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I think they come with American flags now that you hang off the oh, back. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Special thanks go to our Captain Tier supporters. Special thank you goes to Alec DeWolf, Andrew Cholog, Ben Douglas, Captain Brazen, Cardinal Doomsday, Chris Tinsley, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouth, Pouch, Darth Mosk, David Beermore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, and, uh, Eric Antoine, HH28, Jacob123, Jakey's Gamer, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Lowry, Kevin Reyes, Cal Bart, Matt Courier6, Matt Cutler, Matt Houston, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nami Karras, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergio, Robert Cummins, Russell Elliott, Sammy Custer, Grim Santo, Sean, Stefan Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Housen, Vault 13 Hero. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Patron thoughts now. If you support the show, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. Let me go to the first one here. This is not the first one. Matt Ross says, a fun episode, Silent Enemy this is, a fun episode, not only for the action component. The real meets is the banter between the crew from changing the color of an upgraded panel. The Dear John letter, Chirp gets. We didn't talk about that, weirdly. Uh, We'll do that after this comment. I'm figuring out what Reed likes to eat. I like the awkward mess hall scene between Reed and Hoshi. Calling Reed's parents, I actually chuckled about a child who would eat anything, I wish. You feel the anguish of Archer and the disheartening realization that maybe the ship isn't really ready for this mission. A little piece I really liked was their setting up subspace and the ability to call home a given in every other trek. The hostile aliens, bad CGI aside, were interesting in that they are different from the usual foes. The crew's race to make a better weapon system felt desperate. Although our heroes prevail, it's only just barely, and now they are a little wiser and better armed. I also liked the setting up the communication boys. The problem is they've had previous episodes where they've had no problem talking to people back right. home, um, yeah. which is they a got conflict. Letters. They get drawings from children from crap and they're video chatting with the admiral it, like they're <clears throat> yeah. they're they're just right there i i wish they hadn't had those scenes where they were i would be okay with not getting if they were just getting little like electronic messages that took a month to get to the ship or something and they were answering the questions mm-hmm. for the kids that's fine but they printed out letters uh what was i going to ask you about the dear john letter wouldn't um yeah. it's a good idea that I like the fact that this mission is impacting their personal lives. However, never mentioning this woman before this moment is really deflating any kind of uh, emotional impact I'm supposed to get from it. Yeah, it seemed, I don't know, it seemed like kind of a throwaway. I like, I, 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 yeah, it's fine, but it wasn't really in service of anything. Yeah. yeah. Like the, <clears throat> the point of the episode wasn't, didn't have much to do with how the missions are impacting personal. I guess maybe that's kind of the point of the birthday thing, but. Uh yeah, I don't know. It was it was fine. Interesting, interesting detail. Jakey's gamer says the A story in this isn't groundbreaking, but I do like seeing the crew pull together in a pinch so they don't have to return to Earth. And the aliens had a nice classic movie alien look to them. The face cannons are a nice upgrade, and I'm glad they didn't just make this the point where the Enterprise is now just as powerful as everybody else. They do a good job of showing that they're still outgunned, just not as bad as before. Archie continues to make questionable choices. Was he going to evacuate those two decks he was so willing to blow up? And apparently for Phlox, there's no accounting for taste or HIPAA laws. I, there's, there's a lot of little moments in this. Like, Phlox is just like, oh, you want me to look up some, some patient information? Sure. Come on over and look at the screen. Let's see what this guy's got. He's got a, a pineapple blood disorder, so he needs injections. <laughs> is that helpful to you? <laughs> uh, still, Malcolm. I can't tell you what food he likes, but I can tell you that he has hepatitis. <laughs> I imagine he uses all that pineapple as a salve for his uh, herpes because that's typically <laughs> a very good, very good treatment. Did you ever see that um, SNL sketch from like the Farley era where they did the? Uh, do you remember the 
Taxi Cab Confessions show on HBO. Yes, yes, yeah. Where it was just a parody of like, they, they started off in SNL sketch style where it's like very simple. And it's like, oh man, I'm like cheating on my wife. And the guy's like, oh geez. And he hands him a disclosure. He's like, do you mind signing this? You're on HBO show. He's like, oh yeah, no problem. And Chris Farley gets in. He's just like, I don't know. He's just like, I have huge anal warts. And the guy's like, do you mind signing a disclosure? He goes, yeah, no problem. And he signs it for him and gets out of the cab. <laughs> Uh, Archie continues to make questionable choices. There's no HIPAA laws. Still, Malcolm's birthday B story, while not gripping, is a good example of the type of small character stories that over time help us identify with the crew and make the world seem lived in something sorely missing in newer Trek. Is anyone curious what the point of the Royal Navy is in the 22nd century? It's true. They must just, have flying just ships. To, just to disappoint your father, I guess. It's true. Yeah. It's a dying business, yeah, Dad. I, I'm surprised that it, uh, that his dad being a navy like the space Starfleet is basically space navy. Yeah, it's the same thing. He just yeah. likes water. His father's like, oh, water wasn't big enough for him, huh? Needs something bigger yeah. than the ocean. <laughs> it's like good, good dads there. Uh, Ewan Tibbetts says, my favorite episode so far. The A plot was a test of Archer's wow. beliefs and pretty exciting. However, it is strange that the first crewman death didn't happen in this episode. I found the increasingly tense action clashed with the B day B plot, but that didn't ruin anything for me. It just made me chuckle. The ending was sweet. Is that a pun? Because pineapple's sweet. Stefan Minton the says, "Fuck out of here." This episode starts out with an interesting. Want, we don't want your money. <laughs> <laughs> this episode starts out with an interesting encounter. I agree with you, and actually, quite a bit there. This episode starts out with an interesting encounter, and although the, although the special effects look dated, I like the mysterious new aliens. But then I remember that this is the one in which they stalk, stalk Malcolm's Facebook page. Malcolm is such a boring character, so they tried to put in that deficiency to good use, but it doesn't really work for me. Enterprise's row of secondary characters remains its Achilles' heel. Unfortunately, the rest of the episode nearly never really gets going and remains as bland as Malcolm is. Two pineapples out of five. I wish, I wish they had like added uh, more stuff leading up to the pineapple uh, revelation, where it's like, oh, she's walking by his place, and he's like, and she's like, is that luau music? <laughs> <laughs> what could that mean? And then finally, it's like, of course, <laughs> he never eats. He never eats the pizza when it just has ham on he it. He does the uh, the Brady Bunch joke. He's like, Hoshi, would you like to get laid? And she's like, oh, oh Malcolm. Yeah. He's like, no, this this lay. <laughs> well, they basically do do that joke, only it's reversed. <laughs> Captain Brazen says, when commanding with Starship in combat, the most crucial... Or, I w- <laughs> if she, I would have been great if she had been like, maybe you could come over for dinner. And he's like, will there be pineapple? <laughs> What? No, I'm not. I'm not trying to hit on you or anything. I'm sorry. Yeah, Hoshi's. Uh, Rita's just obviously dropping the pineapples. His favorite thing, and Hoshi just can't. She's like, hey, he's so subtle with these these hints. The pine, the pineapple emoji in the 22nd century <laughs> is like the most dirty emoji you could possibly use. When commanding a starship in combat, this is Captain Brazen. The crucial command that will certainly save you and your crew is ordering someone to bake a birthday cake for your armory officer. Alrighty then. The B-plot in this episode provides the worst form of tonal whiplash I've ever seen in a Trek episode. Hoshi, just ask Malcolm what he likes to eat and move on. The A-plot is surprisingly intense with the tension building around the crew being outmatched and outgunned while facing a powerful foe. Modifying building the phase cannons feels akin to the right stuff early space program vibe, but why did they launch without all their weapons? Come on, Starfleet. However, this mistake provides a nice scene for Archer struggling with his inner thoughts and beliefs and Trip talking about why taking the risk is worth all the while. This is my favorite scene that slightly saves the episode. Two catatonic but not dead red shirts out of five. That's the same way that's the same way Captain Kirk died. 
they launched the Enterprise C or B or whatever without full weapons capacity, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. At the beginning of generations? I, yeah. Yes. Or the, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was the Enterprise, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, I, I think that the, uh, the Enterprise leaving, I think Broken Bow should have carried on into the next episodes that the Enterprise is not ready to be out there because I think that right. adds a lot of drama to these situations sure. where they're not doing it. So it does make sense to me that they did that. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that that hasn't been a running thing up yeah. to this point, actually. Yeah, because it seems it seems in line with the other stuff that they're doing in this this sort of like uh, universe or Star Trek universe firsts kind of thing they're doing. That I'm surprised that they didn't play into that more. Yeah, it's this it's this weird thing of they want the humans to be depowered compared to everybody else. Like they want them to run into alien stuff. And Paul has a funny line here where. Arch is like, did you ever run into anybody like this? And she says, things were different back then when we discovered warp because all the other races were also not warp dependent, which is a weird mm. timeline thing that no one is more advanced than the Vulcans at that point. Like there's the Vulcans sort of, you know what I mean? Like the yeah, the Vulcans, when they discovered warp was when everybody else discovered warp at the same time. And it's not like the Vulcans ever ran into problems like the humans are. It's just kind of a small universe issue I have. Yeah, that is weird. And I guess I never really thought about that. I wonder why they did that. Yeah, it just gave her a, an excuse. Because I like the humans being underpowered. And we talked about that in previous episodes where them mm. not having the most advanced tech makes a lot of sense here. Um, right, right. Will Yates says, I really appreciated the communication, boy. It looked a lot like the satellites from today. The alien weapons fire was different enough for me to like it. I don't think Bakula hit the right notes for this captain's moment of doubt, but I thought the rest of the crew came into their own despite the fact that it was forced by an order. Archer may be, Archer may be exploring life aboard a long-range vessel as much as anything else. He is the first captain, after all. Kyle Barrett says, a good episode that's a fun mix of a day in the life and run for your life. The aliens are suitably unsettling, and it's always nice to see Archer humbled by an experience, at least for a short while. I also enjoy we received a little information that we receive a little information about Malcolm. Sure, discovering his favorite food is hardly a huge Dick Whitman-esque backstory reveal, but I'll take what I can from this show. I'm grasping at straws when it comes to character development for these second-tier characters. Why is pineapple his favorite food? The taste? The high vitamin C and manganese levels? The fact that it makes your semen taste sweeter? I need to know. I'm also not a fan of Dominic Kading in this role in the prim and proper Navy man characterization. I wish he had been more hard-edged and always pushing pushing Archer to engage aliens in a fight. Stephen Graham would have been fantastic. That's um, <laughs> Malcolm. Malcolm is just scouring the weirdest Reddit boards trying to figure <laughs> out how to improve certain aspects of his own biology <laughs> for no for no purpose because he's not actually dealing with anybody else you it's know like Hoshi, yep. so, it's only it's only for his own benefit hoshi i'll let you know how you can figure out my favorite food um Ooh, yeah that's an hr complaint what was uh this this is a good point about the hard-edged armory i think the problem with the second tier characterization is that they should be Obviously, they should have stronger personalities, but they should do it in a way that is almost antithetical to what Archer... If Archer is going to be like the pinnacle of Starfleet and come up with these Starfleet values, I think that you should have mm-hmm. older values as the crew members that are stuck with it. Like the sure. the armory officer who's always looking for fights is a good example of that. Sort of a like a hawkish uh, armory guy would make a lot of mm-hmm. sense to me and not just one who's like, take, take it easy. Archer uh, Reed is kind of that way, but I think it could be highlighted a little bit more. 
Two more here. Darth Mosk, could the B-plot with Malcolm's food preferences and Arsh's obsession be any weirder? It always cracks me up that he's supposed to be a frontier captain, but as you guys have said, Bakula plays him aloof. He literally tells Hoshi to stop doing actual work to schmooze Malcolm and learn what food he likes. What the fuck, dude? Interesting note that his dad looks at Starfleet very unimpressed, like it's a gimmick compared to a real man's sailor. A real man's man of a sailor. A real man's man of a sailor. Hoshi and Travis sound like literal simpletons interviewing his family and talking about the special assignment until T'Pol recommends that they just talk to him. I have to think she couldn't stand hearing them talk anymore. These humans are so stupid, shaking my Vulcan head. I was expecting at the end of the awkward dinner conversation scene that she was just going to be like, listen, what's your favorite food? The captain is planning a surprise party. Could you at least try to be surprised when it happens? Yeah. I, 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 I was... <laughs> I was not expecting her to end up going to the doctor to go in through his medical <laughs> records. <clears throat> Boy, next to G, final comment. They decide to give Malcolm some character development, and what do they tell us? He's a hard guy to get to know. Can't say I disagree, as we're nearly halfway through the season, and I still know next to nothing about him. Enterprise not being ready for what they're running into seems to be a recurring theme. I'm trying to decide if giving the aliens a real, if not giving the aliens a real motive is brilliant because it makes them more bizarre, or lazy because they couldn't come up with anything. I appreciate that they attempted to make the aliens look physically unlike what we're used to on Trek, but even the en- even though the end results haven't aged very well, it's a cross between a low-budget video game and Mars Attacks. <laughs> I like the fact that the aliens, you don't know what they're up to, and they don't really explain. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Cool. yeah I, I like that, too. Um, you don't even learn what they I, did to the crewmen. They just put them in a coma, no, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was ex- I was expecting there to be sort of like a, like a, a, a miscommunication or something. Um, instead of them actively being aggressive. But, that, I think you know. that's the mistake with the final thing where they edit the, the Archer video to say, like, surrender your ship. Like, if there was a... if if cause, Because until that point, I think you could make the make the case... Well, they did fire on them. You could make the case that right. there was some sort of confusion going on there, but they do seem actively hostile at the end. Like, instead, they should have sent the video back and it should have been Archer going, we love pineapple. <laughs> we love pineapple. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just, just video. They show they reveal to Hoshi the they've like privately videotaped Reed just rubbing uh, pineapple <laughs> over his naked body, and they're just like, oh, thank you, aliens. Uh, that's it. Thank you, patrons, for supporting the show. Thank you for leaving your comments about Silent Enemy Clan. Our scale of one to five. What are you going to give us? I think this one might be our biggest uh, schism so far. Maybe. Yeah, I think I'm going to give this one a two. Okay. I was borderline going to give it a four, but the weakness wow, of the pineapple yeah. story is a severe weakness, unfortunately. Uh, it's a three for me. And it's my one of my favorite episodes of the season so far out of these 12 that we've done. Um, it just felt very, very enterprisey. Uh, mm-hmm. for the, the good things that this show does, it executed them poorly in this episode, <laughs> but it at least tried to do them in the first place. Yeah. I, you know, it's just, it's just with this show, I, I find it so interesting that, that the thing that they do more often than not and the thing that they seem to do well is just banality. Yeah. And I find it in some cases I find it engaging, like I like breaking the ice I found it engaging. Um but here I don't know, it's just it I I feel like you're walking a really thin line between uh boring and uh conceptually interesting, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know I <clears throat> I, I would agree. Like, like it's if it. you, I was just gonna say, like if you if you look at all of the other shows, and you put you say, okay, what's the thing that they do more often than not that they like sets them apart? 
and you go, oh, TOS is this, and TNG is this, Deep Space Nine is this, and you get to Enterprise, and you're like, they're just kind of boring. Yeah. You know? But I think that what I'm starting to realize is that what the show does well is, I mentioned at the start, but like, if they did a Trek version of Seinfeld without being funny, right, where Seinfeld mm-hmm. is about incredibly boring things, but they, they mine the fun, those small things for something that's bigger than that, sort of. Like right. that's, that was kind of the, you know, the, the genius, if you want to call it, of that, of that show, of a way to find new material for storylines is in these very small events. And they could do that here. But it's it's more like they're like let's talk about small stuff, but they don't come up with a reason to talk about the small stuff. Like the the small stuff can be the focus of your storyline, but not to the point where it's just as mundane as like what is your favorite food. Like there has to there has to you can start with that, and then it has to branch off into something. And I think that this show would be best served trying to do that because I do like the attempt to tell these very small human stories between the people. Yeah, I think you could, if you really wanted to play it for laughs, I think there's a lot you could get out of Hoshi ineptly trying to figure out what his favorite food is and yep. the lengths that she goes to avoid asking him. Yeah. Um, it's a Tilly yeah, storyline right there on Discovery. <clears throat> oh, that's, 100%. That's a Tilly story. Tilly storyline, yeah. Uh, that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to give it a three. Clay will give it a two. That's it for Silent Enemy, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. Clay did not. That's fine. We're here with the next episode of Star Trek enterprise which is dear doctor which is the flocks episode i would like to say that regardless of how much i did or didn't enjoy watching it this show has yet to have a bad episode like a straight up bad episode yeah um which is saying a lot i mean i don't, I don't know if like competently crafted <laughs> But boring is a is like a plus. This is testing our thing where during season six of DS9, remember we're like, there's a lot of terrific episodes in this and a lot of awful episodes. Is that yeah. better than a season of threes? And I think it is yeah. better than a season of threes. I think so too, because uh, you know it's it's tough to it's tough to really get excited about these if if they're all going to kind of be you know s- slow rolling s- slow rolling bowling balls yeah. down the center lane. You know. Yeah. No. No. I agree. So I. And I think I might have said it the other way when we were doing DS9 because I was disappointed by the way season six of DS9 was worse than, you know, it's worse in the overall sense than I remembered it. But uh, I think it is more interesting when there are episodes like that. So Dear Doctor mm. is the next one. Thank you guys for listening. Patreon.com slash The Penske File if you want to support the show. All the social media links are down below. You go to ThePenskeFile.com slash links if you want to do that way. I think that's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, no, we got a new episode of... Rotten Horror Picture Show out. We're talking about the Innkeepers, uh, Ty West's ghost story, which is a lot of fun. Underrated. You should check it out. Um, and Badass will be back. I don't know. Sometime soon. Soon, soon, soon. And let us know how you uh, what you guys thought about the YouTube video. If this is something you enjoy, or, uh, you think is worthwhile. I think it is. I think there's a value to add to the YouTube by doing it this way. But we'll see. We'll see what comes I, out. We'll see how I'm badly I botched the edit. So go ahead. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to doing this. Starting this in the summer because I, I can't <laughs> open any windows or put on any fans or anything. So you're just going to watch me melt in real time. Mine are. Mine are similarly shut. Uh, the fans are off. There's a carpenter bee bumping into the window right now that I can see him just like banging his head around. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how sweaty we can get or if there's a sweaty filter I can put on the OBS that stops it from happening. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts, and we'll see you next time with Dear Doctor.